Today's program has been brought to you by Cane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Cane5.com. Broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Good afternoon and welcome to Straight No Chaser on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and joining me today on the telephone is Dr. Temple Grandin. I'm sure most of us are familiar with Dr. Grandin's excellent credentials, but just to remind you, she is the leading expert in animal handling and psychology, a professor of animal science at Colorado State University, a best-selling author, and her designs for livestock handling facilities and an objective scoring system for assessing handling of cattle and pigs, which is something we're going to be talking about, at meat plants are used around the world. She joins us today on the phone from her home in Colorado. Welcome, Temple. Thanks so much for joining me again. Well, thank you so much for having me. Now, you, the reason I called you was because, uh, of course, being the obsessive reader of trade blogs uh, about the cattle industry, I saw that you and I think it's the American Meat Association or the North American Meat Association. No, have, the Ameri- oh, okay. AMI? AMI, we, AMI put the uh, video out there. Have you seen that yet? I did watch it, of course, absolutely. And um, it is, by the way, available to everyone to see on YouTube. Um, what's the name of it again, Temple? You can just type name. in Temple Grandin Beef Packing Plant Video Tour, and you'll find it on YouTube. Yep. So, um, now this video uh, is not for the faint of heart. If you're a squeamish type of person, you're going to see absolutely from soup to nuts what happens to a cow from the minute they're loaded off of a truck uh, until the minute that they are disemboweled and their hide is pulled off, et cetera, et cetera. So, Temple, what what made you guys want to do this? Because, I mean, it isn't cheap to produce a video like this, and it's really well done. So, what what prompted the production of this? Well, all the, all the videos put out there by the activist groups, the undercover videos, showing all this bad stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the latest Central Valley one that showed all those cattle thrashing, and they implied that those cattle were conscious, which they were not. Central Valley had a lot of problems, but they were not hanging live cattle on the line. Right. You can cut the head off the animal, and the back legs are still going to thrash. And I explained that um, in the AMI video. I think we, I, I'm at the point now where I almost want to put a video camera into everything and just scream it out to the public because I've worked, you know, 40 years in my career to improve meatpacking plants, and they're so much better than what they used to be. Oh, right. back in the 80s, they were absolutely beyond horrible. And things have so much improved, and the uh, AMI video shows the beef plant done. Um, working correctly and that's it can right. be work it can, it can be made to work correctly so what do you think um what are, what are the biggest stumbling blocks to having um a plant work as smoothly as what you showed in the ami video in which i myself observed when i went out to that cargill plant and you yep. were my tour guide a couple of years ago what what are these big impediments that that keep it from um you know working as as humanely as you would like to see as efficiently as they would like to see what's what's going wrong it's all up to management. It gets down to management deciding that humane handling is important. You know, I've worked with plants that had older facilities that weren't quite as fancy, and they were able to do a good job. You've got to have management that cares. And if management doesn't care, then you're going to have a bunch of bad stuff. 
Right. Now, when I first started out in my career, I thought I could fix everything with equipment. I got over that. It took me 10 years to fully get over that. <laughs> oh, I and hope you then totally. I worked on training employees, but managers untrained them. So then I worked on training managers. That was all through the, the, the uh, 90s. Then the final thing was to work on training companies like McDonald's and Wendy's and Whole Foods and other companies on how to audit meat packing plants using a numerical scoring system. And that's because the scoring. Because that, it really helps a lot when you have a big customer making them do stuff right. Mm-hmm. So why don't you talk about the uh, scoring system? Exactly what is that and what, is it, what does it do? Well, we, you directly observe how they're handling the cattle. How many cattle fell down during ha- handling? Mm-hmm. How many cattle were mooing their head off in a kill box? You're only allowed three out of 100. How many animals do they poke with the electric prodder? If you want an excellent score, it's got to be no more than 5%. How many animals did you actually shoot with one shot? You've got to get 95% down on the first shot, um, then the other 5% get a really quick second shot, and then you better not hang any life ones up on the rail. Mm-hmm. And at Central Valley, they had a bunch of problems, but, um, you know, putting live cattle on the rail was not one of them. Uh, there was a lot of abusive cattle and bad cattle that should have never been there, and they should have been euthanized on the dairy. Uh-huh. And you were saying, I, I think when we were talking about this uh, last week, um, you were saying that a lot of people are sending their dairy animals in for slaughter sort of when the animals are already on their last legs. And that's been uh, part of what people are seeing in these, you know, for instance, Humane Society videos or whatever. I mean, not to put the Humane Society down, you know, because I think it's great that some of these abuses come to light, but I do think that it's important to put them in the proper context, which is why I think you guys organized the video that you organized. Well, that's right. I got sick and tired of, of, of seeing everything on the Internet showing it done wrong. Right. I said, we're going to have to show stuff how it's done right. Right. Yes, you are going to see some legs kicking, but I have found that most people that I've even taken on a tour of a plant, you know, they kind of go, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know, it wasn't like a fun trip, but it was not as bad as what they were expecting. <laughs> well, that was certainly my experience. I mean, you know, nobody likes to see animals be killed. But on the other hand, since we all want to eat, and since beef is a giant uh, industry for our country, um, it was it was very reassuring to me, actually, to see how smoothly it does work when it's done properly. Um, and, you know, as we discussed on the phone, the woman who is the plant manager at that Cargill plant out in Fort um, Collins is is, you know, a very enlightened type of person who's, I'm sure, had to work hard to uh, train some of her guys because, man, she had some tough-looking dudes working with her, right? Well, yeah, but you see, that gets down to management because I find the top sets the tone for the place. Yeah. And then the other thing is, I'm a big believer in video auditing, and that plant that you visited has got um, video um, auditing audited by third-party auditors, and it's very important that third-party auditors audit it over the Internet because this solves the problem of acting, um, of acting good when the auditor's there and then mm-hmm. acting bad when the auditor is gone. And unfortunately, Central Valley Media actually had video auditing, but they had some construction work going on. So the video had been shut off because of the construction work. Oh. And, and then they acted rather badly uh, yeah. and got caught on a hidden camera. Right. Incredible. Um, let's go back to the video for a second, because I want, I mean, I don't feel like it's gotten much, if any, publicity in the mainstream. And, uh, you know, the, obviously you made it for consumers, right? That's right. It's definitely, I'd like to see have consumers watching it. And, yeah. and uh, I'll, I'll tell what drives me crazy is consumers will tend to watch all the bad stuff mm-hmm. and they get 10,000 zillion views and think every, everybody thinks stuff is bad. And when I went out to Hollywood and they did the HBO movie, I found that the Hollywood press, which is more like consumers, 
They just were curious. I find the average person just wants to know, mm-hmm. well, how does this stuff work? What actually happens? Yeah. Well, let, let's. why don't we quickly take people through exactly what they're going to see on the video and um, so that they sort of know what to expect, but also can satisfy their curiosity. Okay. Well, basically, it starts out, and I'm, um, it starts out with me in it, and I'm explaining. Uh, there's going to be a tour of a plant. And again, you can access the video type in Temple Grandin Beef Packing Plant Video Tour, and you'll find it. I, uh, it's the first scene. It shows the truck backing up to the unloading ramp, mm-hmm. and the cattle get off the truck. And one of the things I find that people are surprised is that the cattle come off calmly. Right. They knew they were going to get slaughtered to be coming off wild. They just come off calmly. So it shows that. Then it will show a man uh, putting the cattle into the pens, mm-hmm. uh, driving the cattle into the pens, and then bringing the cattle out of the pens just really calmly, uh, bringing a group of cattle up into the, um, into the chute area. And right. then it shows the cattle going through the chutes. And then it shows, uh, then it has a segment where it shows a cow's eye view uh, going into the center track restrainer system, which is a piece of equipment that I designed, called the center track restrainer. And the cattle ride on a conveyor. And it's really important that that's designed right. It has to have a non-slip entrance ramp. Has to have, they got to be able to see light. They don't like to go into the dark, mm-hmm. not be seeing people walking by. And then, it, and then they get on the conveyor and it shows the uh, captive bolt stunner. And when that uh, works right, it kills them instantly. And maintenance is really important on that stunner. You know, the plants have got to maintain it. Then it shows them hanging up by one ankle, and you're going to see a lot of kicking, and it doesn't look very nice. No. And one of the things that I explain is that the walking circuit is actually in the spine that makes the reciprocal motion. Mm-hmm. And that's why you get that kicking after the brain has been shattered, and then it will show bleeding the cattle out. There's some scenes of skinning. Then there's a scene where a big stainless steel device is put on a skinned leg. That's actually a steam. That puts steam on the leg to make sure it's to clean it. Uh-huh. Because they want to make sure that none of the bacteria that are on the hide get on the meat. Right. And when you look at the skinning process, they're very careful to bend the hide back so the dirty side of the hide stays away from the meat. Right. And then it shows a little, then it shows a scene on the meat cutting room. Right. Which you know, I mean, that's pretty much standard. But I think the thing that most people. Um, you know, certainly when they see those undercover videos, it shows an animal that's, you know, potentially a downer cattle, meaning that it's non-ambulatory or it seems frightened or something like that. And then maybe the stunner isn't working correctly. And that's the stuff. And then, of course, the kicking of the legs, which even I, with you standing next to me explaining what was happening, was a bit of a, um, you know, mind bender. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. It, 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 does. it is not a pretty sight. It is definitely disturbing. And I basically tell people that you can kill the brain instantly, but right. the body dies slowly. Right. And that spinal cord will stay alive for another five minutes. And that's why when you see people, you know, back in the day, if you, running around like a chicken with your head cut that's off, right. right, it's exactly the same function. I mean, the animal's legs still work, whether its head has been cut off or whether it's been, you know, stunned with a 600. Now, it can't, it can't stand on those legs. If you, if you go in a smaller plant where mm-hmm. they're um, shot in a box the animal will instantly crumple down. Mm-hmm. The legs had the reciprocal motion, but they've lost the muscle tone. Right. Uh, if that animal uh, was not held up on the conveyor, it would just fall down. Now, it doesn't fall down in the, in the, on the plant video because it's supported by the conveyor, but in a little plant, it would just uh, fall down. Right, right, yeah, that makes sense. Well, they do kind of fall down on that. Tr- I mean, they come out of the box. Well, they come, they when sort they come of out. crumple well, when onto you shoot a, it, yeah. When you shoot it, just the head goes down. 
And ah. and then the whole animal comes out and then it falls down. Yeah. Right, right. One of the things I liked the best about the video actually was exactly what you described, the cow's eye view of going into that restraining system. Um, can you describe that system a little bit for us? Because even I am like a little unclear. There's a platform that rises up and cradles the animal from underneath, right? Well, basically, right? there's a conveyor that they straddle. Uh-huh. And, and uh, aren't and their feet moving? Yeah, you know, the mean, conveyor is moving, yes. The right. conveyor's moving, and then they walk down a ramp that's got cleats. It's non-slip, mm-hmm. and, they, and they walk down the ramp. And as they walk down the ramp, they just get high-centered on the conveyor and ride along. The only moving part is the conveyor itself. Mm-hmm. And then there's adjustable sides where you can adjust it for different sizes of cattle. Mm-hmm. But in normal operation, the only thing that moves is the conveyor. And having a non-slip ramp is really important. It's also really important to have a thing called a false floor, because the equipment is seven or eight feet above the ground, right. and if the cattle looked down and saw the visual cliff effect, they would not go in. Right. But you put a false floor in there, so then it appears to have a solid floor, and then they just walk on in. But it's got to be lighted right. It, they, uh, you have to have the non-slip ramp, and uh, we still have problems with plants making the same mistake that was made in the HBO movie, mm-hmm. where they, they uh, put a metal plate over my non-slip ramp and wanted to make the cattle slide in, and that makes them freak out. Yeah. And that's really weird, like 35 years later people are repeating the same mistake. Well, I mean, that is human nature, isn't it? So let's talk for a second about what happens on the cellular level when animals are treated badly, because I think that many people in the industry have understood that a stressed out animal is going to reduce their profit margin, right? Because well, the meat is not going to be as good. If you stress pigs with electric prods five minutes before slaughter, stress cattle with electric prods, uh, you can get tougher meat. In pigs, if you stress them five minutes before slaughter with jamming and squealing, and a lot of electric prods, that can make, make pale, soft, watery meat. Uh-huh. That last five minutes before slaughter is very critical, because if you stress the animal badly during that time, it can have a bad effect on meat quality. Right. So it is really, I mean, even plants need to under, you know, most of them, I think, do understand that uh, that scaring an animal is going to eat into their profit margin. So that leads me to my next question, which is, why are we still seeing these problems? I mean, what is it about management that they're not getting in terms of, identifying that profit equals calm, happy animals. Well, and I think some of it is people just don't see it. It's a thing I call bad becoming normal. Hmm. You know, like I, I, before the audit started, I would go out and do a, a seminar and teach their employees how to handle cattle really quietly. Then I'd come back a year later, and they were handling them really rough and using an electric prod on most of them. And what had happened is they'd slipped back into these old bad practices and they just didn't realize it. It's sort of like speeding on the highway. If the police weren't out there constantly enforcing the speed limits, can you imagine how fast everybody would be going in the busy city downtown? Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. It's sort of the same thing, and it's a lot like traffic rules. If the police weren't out there enforcing that, it would just be a mess. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think that the industry can do... I mean, we, we talked for just a second about the um, the third-party audit, but what else What else can they do in terms of training their people um, to sort of get them, <laughs> well, actually, get them on the managers. same page? It's, it's managers you have to train. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing that I have found is there's certain people that are untrainable. What I have learned uh-huh. over the, all the years that I've been in this business is there are about 10% of people that just should not be involved in handling animals, right. either supervising the handlers or, or uh, working on the ground actually moving the animals. Uh, they just shouldn't be there. And, and they like to hurt them, and they just shouldn't be there. And, it, and I say that for a packing plant or a slaughter plant, 
and I'll use the S word. I'm not going to use industry euthanisms. But, and, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, I think I think harvest facility is just ridiculous. It's 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 also kind of I think it's kind of disgusting actually. I think I it's ridiculous. I think I think it's terrible. I refuse to call them harvest facilities. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's a slaughterhouse. Let's call a spade a yeah, spade a slaughterhouse, here. Slaughterhouse. Right. Uh, you know, and they in the video uh, when they when they titled the video, they put beef packing plant on there. Um, so that's why I was using that because I want you to search it and find it. If you use the word slaughter, it doesn't come up. Oh, okay. You have to say Good to know. Packing plant video. All right, that's excellent. Um, Temple, stay on the line, but we have to take like a thirty-second sponsor drop, and uh, we'll be right back with Dr. Temple Grandin. You're listening to Straight No Chaser on the Heritage Radio Network. and Winery are proud to support Heritage Radio Network, the growing movement to change the way we eat and think about our planet. For more information, go to keep5.com. Back on Street No Chaser on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and on the line with me is Dr. Temple Grandin, um, the subject of an incredible HBO documentary, but also somebody who has been probably the most influential person in altering uh, practices in the in the cattle industry, I think, more than anyone else. Um, Temple, thanks again for joining me today. Um, I asked my uh, engineer to cue up something. You and I were talking about Raul Baxter, who's been a guest on the program, and yes. he is a, you know, an industry expert, a consultant for the cattle industry, worked for a long time for Smithfield, etc. And one of the things that you mentioned in the first segment was um, you have often called for a live audio stream from the plant floor that is audited by a third party. Well, in a recent interview with the with Raul Baxter, he respectfully disagreed. And um, Joe, can you run that clip for me? Uh, my objection with things like these videos is is who is going to be doing the auditing? Mm-hmm. When you talk about third party, I mean, if it's going to be people about like the USDA, FSIS, who are trained to actually be able to look at things, that's one thing. But to have third parties that have uh, different agendas, I think it's kind of ridiculous. What do you think of that? I mean, well, first of all, I think he's got a misunderstanding as to who the third party is. Right. The third party is not animal activists. 
<laughs> That's what I said. I'm like, we're not going to hire the humane is, um, people that are trained in doing the numerical scoring. Mm-hmm. And they're just regular people that live in the Huntsville, Alabama area, you know, moms and things like that that work there. And they're trained on the, uh, to do the scoring. And the scoring is very simple. And they don't have any agendas. Uh, you know, that I, no, I think I, Raul just has got a misunderstanding as to uh, who's doing the auditing. And Aerosite is a company that also does third-party auditing in hospitals, uh-huh. and they do third-party auditing for food safety, and they audit things like uh, sterilizer use and mm-hmm. hand-washing in hospitals. And they found that when they first started auditing hospitals for hand-washing, they only had a 20% compliance rate. Wow. It was, it was extremely low. Same thing with knife sterilizing. Um, and, and, and Aerosite also does that. They also audit to make sure they cut meat correctly, and that's for, for yield purposes. And, no, that's not being audited by activists. Well, I, yeah, I thought that was a ludicrous response, frankly. That's why I wanted to play it for you, because I was yeah. just like, come on, dude. Really. Um, the other thing he went on to say was that no other industry is as scrutinized or has as many inspectors on the floor than the cattle industry. And his implication, as I understood it, was that imposing even more into scrutiny through this third-party audited uh, video stream would be both unnecessary and unfair. Do you agree with that? I mean, I, well, I think part of the problem you got with the USDA, I mean, I'm just uh, kind of appalled at how bureaucratic things get. I mean, one mm-hmm. of the problems you have with inspection staff is they don't get clear guidance. You know, they're supposed to enforce the regulations. But now I've trained a lot of auditors, and mm-hmm. you've got to show examples of, well, here's something that's absolutely bad. Here's something that uh, would, would be good. You know, what would be bad enough for them to shut a plant down? And the inspectors now have gotten a lot more strict, but they need guidance. What would be considered egregious animal abuse where you'd shut a plant down? What would not be considered egregious animal abuse? You need to train people with examples. But for some reason, the way that all the bureaucratic policy-making stuff works, it's hard for them to do that. They are getting better on getting some better training materials because I find you've got to have things that are simple. And the scoring system works because, okay, let's say they get a bad stunning score. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that could cause it. It could be wild cattle. It could be um, a broken gun. It could be an untrained person. It could be slipping on the floor. You see, they're outcome measures. You know, right. if cattle are vocalizing in the kill box, well, then you've got a lot of stuff wrong, like electric prods slipping on the floor, slamming doors on them. Uh, that, would, uh, that would cause problems. Right. One thing that's been nice about the scoring system is it's simple, like traffic rules. And you can train somebody to do it pretty accurately in a day-and-a-half workshop that includes two plant visits. And I'm an instructor for that. And one thing I've learned is if it's not simple, it's very, very difficult to do it. Right. To do it accurately. Yeah, people can't comply. Um, I wanted to just backtrack. You mentioned this one company, what is it called, Aerosite? Aerosite. Yeah. Yes. And what would it cost? Do you have any idea of what, if it would cost the industry a lot of money to yeah, implement they do it, that? Aerosite costs money, yes, because mm-hmm. they have to have a whole office full of uh, people mm-hmm. looking up on, on video monitors. I've been there, I've visited their mission control, and you've got, all, you know, there's probably 10 people that are sitting there looking at video monitors, and they take a random sample. You know they don't look at they don't look at everything, but you got to pay all those people. They had to put they had to develop some special software so they could keep track of all the um, all the data that's being recorded, and so that if it is a problem, they can go back and look at something. Yeah, so that's going to cost some money because one thing I have found: installing a video camera in a plant and having it audited by the plant itself that doesn't work. No, the novelty wears off. It just doesn't work. People on the outside have got to, to audit it, otherwise yeah. it does not work. That makes sense to me. I mean, it's like anything else. It becomes, um, you know, when you see the familiar, you stop seeing anything. 
Well, you know, that's the like, problem in the hospitals. I was mm-hmm. shocked. I mean, Aerosite's auditing hospitals for hand hygiene. I was shocked at what they what their baseline data showed on hospitals. Wow. Well, that's it scary. It was terrible. Yeah, it is terrible. I mean, especially as, as uh, you know, antibiotic-resistant disease increases on the hospital level, um, you'd be really scared. <laughs> Well, they, then when they put the video auditing in, what they've got is they've got it so it's aimed on the sink, so you don't see the patient. Ah. You, know, you don't see the patient in the room. You just see the sink that the doctor's supposed to use. Right. And when he comes in, they've actually got it aimed so you don't even see the doctor's face. You just see, the, you know, the, you see him come, like a body come in. And, uh, you know, and does, he, does he pass that sink or does he wash his hands? Right. Right. And uh, now they've got like a 98% compliance, That's where fabulous. before the compliance rate was so low, it was just hideous on infection control. Right. You see, that's another thing that Aerocyte does. Uh-huh. It's, it sounds like a very interesting organization. I'm going to look into it. Um, we have just a couple more minutes to go. And I wanted to, um, when I was looking at your website to set up your bio uh, for the beginning of the show, I saw the following line at the bottom of the page, which is, and I quote, you have permission to copy articles, pictures, and diagrams. Please acknowledge Temple Grandin. So most people are really, really careful about safeguarding their intellectual property. And you're, you're giving it away, girl. So what's well, that about? How come you did that? Well, I can make up new stuff faster than they can copy it. <laughs> now, the people that tend to guard things too much tend to not have very original ideas. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, I, we spend, we're spending $16 billion a year in this country fighting over patents rather than making them. We need to be spending a lot more time making them. How interesting. <laughs> and and, and uh, I get plenty of consulting work. Right. Well, I thought it was interesting because I know that your diagrams are up and that people can, you know, copy your design whenever they want to. And, and um, you made a point when we were talking last week about um, that plant in Omaha that Tim Pacharat was in, the author of Every 12 Seconds, yes. and that they had basically just ripped off your design and they hadn't called you in to be a consultant on no, actually how to implement it. No, they had not called me in to be a consultant, that's correct. Right. So, and and uh, they have a pretty decent facility, mm-hmm. but again, the problems that Pacharat um, saw there, those are management problems. Right. Absolutely. You know, faking audits and making up audits. When the video, when the Aerosite systems were first put in, there's 23 plants right now on the Aerosite system. And uh, when they first was put in, they started collecting baseline data. The plants were supposed to be doing internal audits on the cameras, and two plants were caught cheating on internal audits. Wow. And now that they know the video auditors are watching, they're not doing that anymore. Uh, you know, it, it gets down to the attitude of management. And, and uh, you know, what Patrick Rat, Rat described in that book is just, it's just bad management. Yeah. Management's got to care about what's going on. They do. And also, I mean, I think there's a certain, the imperative, the profit imperative of like moving the That's chain right. speed really fast. I don't know how anybody can do their job as fast as, I mean, watching these people, you know, work with these dangerous sharp knives and chainsaws and stuff like that. It's like, you know, it's, it's inhumane to the workers as well as... <laughs> Well, you have to have, you have a plant that runs, you could have a plant that runs fast if it's set up right for mm-hmm. it. What's bad is when you understaff and overload a piece of equipment. And I don't right. have time to go into all the details about sort of the three different types of equipment that plants have. Uh-huh. There's like tiny, there's, there's small to medium, and then there's large. Those right. are, and there's three, and the equipment's very different at each one of those levels. And when you try to push a plant, past one of those into the next level, then you really have a mess. Yeah, absolutely. Boy, that's something that absolutely doesn't work. You understaff and overload, but it isn't high-speed line, line speed per se that's bad. It's how it's designed, how it's staffed, and then you can get to where you push a system too hard, and then it, it, it just is terrible. 
It's totally terrible. Yeah, and then you run into the abuses that have been documented by well, you know, and various happened, activist have been groups. Abuses, like like uh, in some of the plants now that are running uh, running uh, 1,200 hogs an hour at the restrainer, they used to have one poor guy trying to stun all those hogs. Mm. Now they have two guys. Yeah, that even stun. that seems incredible. <laughs> Well, it works fine with two. It works horrible with one. Right, right. Well, um, Temple, we have to wrap it up, but uh, do you have any events coming up in New York? Any books? Anything you want to promote well, besides your be, incredible video? Well, I'm going to be having video? a book um, coming out this spring called The Autistic Brain that isn't going to have anything to do with livestock at all, but I do have That's books okay. on livestock. I've got Improving Animal Welfare, a Practical Approach. Yep. I've got animals make us human, and then if you want to build facilities, uh, humane livestock handling. Those are my livestock books. And they can see, um, let's just tell people once again where they can access this new video that you created with the AMI. Well, go to YouTube, type in Temple Grandin Beef Packing Plant Video Tour, yeah. and it will come up. And the, and the little thumbnail picture will show a picture of me with a blue coat and a hard hat against the blue sky. That's the thumbnail that's been coming up. Uh-huh. Well, it's a great video. I really urge people to go look at this. I mean, if you want to see how a cattle processing plant actually works, you know, without speculation, without drama, without any of the, you know, bells and whistles that have attached themselves to um, the cattle industry, this is a really instructive and clean piece of video. And, uh, I, you know, I really appreciate that you made this temple and that the AMI went to the effort and the expense wanna, of making it. I also want to, you, know, you know, Janet Riley at the AMI was really behind right? this. Right. You know, you know, progressive people in the industry. You know, they, uh, you know, the industry's got some really good people in it. Sure, absolutely. Um, thanks so much again, Temple, for being with us, and I hope we'll be talking again soon. And um, folks, next week we have Professor Doug Powell from the Kansas State University. He's a microbiologist, and he's the editor of one of my favorite um, trade blogs. It's called the Barf Blog. <laughs> It's a daily compilation of stories on foodborne illness outbreaks, local and national politics as they relate to food and various and sundry topics that interest both him and me. So um, I hope you'll tune in again for that next week. And thanks to my sponsors, Kane Vineyards. And thanks again, Temple, for joining us. And thanks, Joe, my engineer. Take care. See you next week, folks. Talk to you soon, Temple. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me. You betcha. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.